uh, looking at uh, this, this person, the life of Elijah, and some of the lessons that we can learn about it. So we're week three this week. You know, we started two weeks ago. If you've missed any of the teachings in this, uh, in this series, you can go online, jump on our website, or jump on the podcast and catch up. David brought a great message last Sunday uh, from the beginning of, or the, the earlier verses in 1 Kings chapter 18. We're going to look at the very end of 1 Kings chapter 18 this morning. And we're going to be talking this morning about prayer. And all of a sudden, probably you've, you've, had, a, you've had a response to that uh, little acknowledgement there this morning, where, where maybe I'm guessing you go, oh, prayer? Oh, I wish I'd have known that, Clint. Might have stayed home or gone for a coffee instead. Because often when it comes time to talk about prayer, it often, I find with uh, followers of Jesus, it often comes with a, a healthy side dish of um, guilt and shame. Anyone? Because if you were to rate your prayer life on a scale of 1 to 10, 10 out of 10 being couldn't be going any better, Jesus and you are like close as, you know, and 1 being, uh, what is this you speak of, this prayer thing? You know, like where, if you were honest before God and you were honest with yourself this morning, where would you rate your prayer life on a scale of 1 to 10? We're not going to do a show of hands, don't worry, it's going to be okay. Yeah, but, but here's what I've noticed is that for many of us, uh, when it comes to talking about prayer, prayer is one of those things I think for many Christians where we, where we often feel like we're, we're not quite up to snuff, we're not quite up to par, you know what I mean? We're, we're, we're not praying as much as we should be or as well as we should be or, you know, like uh, that kind of thing. Like oftentimes when I talk with people around the practice of prayer, that's one of the first reactions I get is, you know, like, oh, tell me, how, how's your prayer life? Oh, well. Not great, if I'm honest. As usual, something along those lines. Oh, it could be better. You know, I could be praying more. You know, like something, something along those kind of lines. And so here's what I want to do, like right off the bat, as a bit of a preface. Umbrella of mercy. Let's just pop it up over, over this whole place this morning. Pop up the umbrella of mercy. There is no guilt and no shame. No condemnation whatsoever this morning as we talk about prayer, all right? All right? Let's talk about prayer. I'm hoping that the message this morning will be encouraging and inspiring and actually fuel faith uh, for us. No matter where you are in terms of your prayer life and your prayer journey with God, it's okay. But we can all grow and we can all press in a little bit more this morning. And so I'm hoping this will be an encouragement for us. Is that all right? So there's nothing in here that's intended to layer, layer you with guilt or shame or any kind of remorse whatsoever. This is just an intent. My hope and prayer this morning is honestly just that it would fuel your desire to pray, uh, uh, to be a person of prayer. And in a lot of ways, it's a bit of a teaser, if I'm honest. And so a little bit of forecasting for those of you who call the well home. In, uh, towards the end of September, we're actually going to be launching into a six-week teaching series on prayer. And so this morning, we're going to talk a little bit more specifically around what it means to become, you know, like be prayerful people, a little bit more on a personal, individual basis, whereas the teaching series that's to come will be more around how do we cultivate a culture of prayer as a community of faith, as a, as a whole church, how do we see a prayer culture really strengthen and develop? Uh, so that's coming, you know, later, later on in a, in, in, a, in, a, in a bit of time. But I remember when I first started learning about prayer as a young fella, I was maybe six or seven or eight years old, and I grew up in Queensland, where over in Australia, where we had on the regular cyclones would come through. 
Now, I know, you know, we don't get cyclones here in, in, in Ototahi very often, eh? It's not like a thing. Um, but it is, it is a thing when you grow up in Queensland. And you, cyclones would come through. And I remember, I, I don't know how I picked it up or how I came to uh, believe this, but I remember being freaked out by cyclones. Well, they used to scare me, like proper scare me. I don't know if it was because I'd seen enough of the news reports that showed the carnage and damage that laid in the wake of like proper big cyclones. And then combined with my experience of living through a few cyclones where, you know, the wind is howling and the thunder's cracking and there's rain's coming in at you sideways. And even sometimes from below, it's like, how does rain go up? I don't know, but somehow in a cyclone, it does, you know? And it's, you know, like one of those kind of like wild, crazy things. And I remember, you know, my dad would always tell me, don't worry, our house is cyclone proof. I don't know what that means. I'm not a structural engineer. I don't know if he could verify that or prove it, but he used to tell me and it kind of did a little bit of courage and confidence for me. You know, uh, I don't know what it meant, but, uh, but, but I, used to, I used to be afraid. And I remember my parents saying, well, why don't you pray? You know, I remember coming in, I'd be crying. I'd be like afraid of the cyclones. The house going to fall down, you know, all this kind of stuff. And, they, you know, and they'd say, well, why don't you pray? They tried to teach me about prayer and they'd quote scripture and they'd say, you remember, God doesn't give us a spirit of fear, but of a sound mind. There you go, you know, and so they quote this and I pray and I pray and I pray. And after a couple of years of trying this year in Cyclones, I realized, I remember this big one one night and I woke up in the middle of the night, I was freaking out and I ran into mom and dad's room crying and I'm like, dad, it doesn't work. Prayer doesn't work. I'm still afraid. Why doesn't God hear me? Does he not care? Why doesn't he, you know, and, and I wonder if actually some of us actually come in this morning and you're in a fairly similar position to, you know, seven or eight-year-old Clint, um, whereby you go, actually, you know what? I've been praying for some time and it just doesn't seem to work. It just doesn't seem to make a difference. The reality is I, I, I'm guessing that there's some of you here this morning where you're like, man, does prayer actually even work? And if you're not there right now, maybe you've been there before and, and, and because you've been praying for your marriage right and it just feels like God is not moving or maybe you've been praying for a spouse because you'd like to be married and it's like oh that doesn't seem to be working either you know God just send me that spouse or or maybe you've been praying God would you just take away this addiction and you've been praying it for month after month or year after year and you keep wrestling with it and it just seems like you can't get free or, or you've asked God to take away your anger and you've asked him to set you free and you've had you've asked him to heal that relationship and and many of you are, are, are there you know and you go w- where is God why isn't he why isn't he listening to me well, today, we're going to dive into the life of Elijah, and this guy, I think, understood prayer. And he understood, he understood it. He came before God with, uh, like, appropriate boldness and confidence. And the Scriptures encourage us, as followers of Jesus, to approach the throne of grace with boldness and confidence. Uh, and we'll talk about that a little bit more as we go through. And I've just learned so much from studying this and looking at the life of Elijah and his prayer in particular in the end of First uh, uh, Kings 18. Uh, that, 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 that I want to share with, with us this morning. But before we dive back into Elijah's story, I want you to see the way that James in the New Testament actually witnesses to Elijah's prayer life. Um, and, and we'll kind of flip-flop back and forth a little bit between James and 1 Kings 18. We'll kind of go a little bit back and forth as we journey through, because James had a few things to say about prayer as we, as, as we go. So in, in James chapter 5, verse 17, uh, the, James in the New Testament, he writes this, he says, Elijah was a human being, even as we are. So that, that should be encouraging to us all, right? Like when we, when we when, especially in light of what, you know, David's message last week, when you saw this, this guy, Elijah, who, you know, I mean, I mean, well, two weeks ago, we saw him, 
you know, like following God and, and God miraculously providing for him. And then you see him actually like bringing this child back from the dead. Remember that in, in, in 1 Kings chapter 17. And then last, last week, he's, he's like having this showdown with all the prophets of Baal and God shows up miraculously in power and all that kind of stuff. It would be easy for us to think that Elijah was like superhero of the faith. You know, going around in like mask and a cape and, you know, like he's got special superpowers or direct access to God or something, there's something extra special about Elijah. And James is here to tell us, no, 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 there's not. He's not. He doesn't have some secret source. He's, he's a normal person, a human being, even as we are. But then he says, he prayed earnestly. He what? He prayed that didn't sound very earnest, friends. Let's try that again. He prayed what? He prayed earnestly that it would not rain and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Man, that is power, right? That's incredible. I can't remember the last time that I prayed it wouldn't rain and the rain just stopped. Anyone? Does that work for you? I mean, that's incredible, right? But here's the thing. And what I, what I think is we look at Elijah's prayer life, as a lot of us do, when we pray, oftentimes I think we kind of, we pray almost like in, in, in lowercase, like a little, little bit of P and a little bit of an R and a little bit of an A and a little bit of a Y, you know, and we kind of pray these prayers that are like, you know, God, would you just help me? God, would you be with me? God, could you just do this? God, could you just, anytime we put a little just, you know what I mean? You know, uh, and we, and, we, and we pray, and then, and then we look at Elijah here, but Elijah's praying with, like, an uppercase, like a capital P and a capital R and a capital A and a capital Y. You know what I mean? Like, he, he prays. He prays with confidence. He prays with boldness that God is going to move and that God is going to work. And do you remember the story, the context in which all this is playing out, remember? So for, for Elijah, we've, we've been talking about it over the last couple of weeks. We've been talking about Elijah, is, his ministry is taking place under the rule and reign of King Ahab. King Ahab, not a good dude. In fact, the, the, the description of King Ahab was that he did more evil, more evil in the eyes of the Lord than anyone before him. You know what I mean? And he's married to, you know, so, so not, not doing a good job. He's married to Jezebel and, uh, and, and basically uh, they've, they're just taking the nation south. You know, they're not living for God. They're literally destroying uh, the nation. And so God says to Elijah, he says, hey, Elijah, I need you to go into King Ahab and to Jezebel, and, and I need you to tell them that they need to turn this thing around, turn this nation back to me, call upon me, focus them on me. They need to fall before me and they get their lives right with me, okay? And, uh, and so he goes to them, and, and they say, yeah, nah, not for us. Um, and so Elijah says, okay, well, here's the deal. You don't see it right now, but if you don't do this, God's going to take away the rain. Then Elijah goes hides out in the Kareth Ravine where we, where we started, you know, and, 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 and prays, God, will you stop the rain? And just as we read it, God did. The rain stopped. Three and a half years of no rain. It was gone, right? And Elijah, he wakes up one day and he says, okay, God, man, I'm sensing it's time and, 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 and you're ready to move and it's time for the rain to start again. And so here's the prayer. Here's the prayer. This is right on the heels of the showdown with all the prophets of Baal in, in uh, the end of 1 Kings chapter 18, uh, down towards the end of verse 42. It says, Elijah climbed to the top of Carmel. This is the mountain where he's up there. Bent down to the ground and put his face between his knees. Go and look toward the sea, he told his servant. And he went up and looked. There is nothing there, he said. Seven times Elijah said, go back. The seventh time, 
the servant reported, a cloud as small as a man's hand is rising from the sea. So Elijah said, go and tell Ahab, hitch up your chariot and go down before the rain stops you. Meanwhile, the sky grew black with clouds and the wind rose, a heavy rain started falling and Ahab rode off to Jezreel. The power of the Lord came on Elijah and tucking his cloak into his belt, he ran ahead of Ahab all the way to Jezreel. Man, crazy, right? And here's what I want us to know. The the, the reality is, friends, I think so many of us struggle with our prayer lives um, because we know consistency is tough and authenticity can be hard and, 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 and we, you know, like, well, there's no shame and there's no guilt. You know, at times we can feel like God doesn't answer us, but I'm confident that if you will really listen in and engage and, and actually implement uh, the teaching this morning, I think it'll make a difference. I think it'll make a big difference, actually, uh, in our lives, that you'll walk away, it'll transform your prayer life forever. You'll walk out of the doors here today uh, and, and, and you won't be the same person. That You'll find God will begin to move and begin to work. Uh, he'll transform your relationship with Him and through, and through Him uh, through, through this today. So here's what we're going to do. We're just going to step through this prayer, this little time of prayer that Elijah had on the top of Mount Carmel. And we're going to extract four qualities, really, of effective prayer that we see in Elijah's life that I'm confident will help us. And, and these, these nuggets of truth, I think, will help shape and transform our own prayers for the better. So four qualities of an effective prayer life. Here's the first one. The first one is that effective prayers are humble prayers. Effective prayers are what? They're humble prayers. Take a look there in, in verse 42. It says that Elijah bent down to the ground and put his face between his knees. Hold on a second. Hold on a second. Is that how you would respond? Remember, he's just come from this huge showdown with all the prophets of Baal and God has like miraculously shown up, power demonstration, shown up, proven himself, you know, all glory. I mean, surely he'd have like this rising confidence, like this rising momentum of like, hey, God's on the move, God's doing some stuff and he rocks into say, all right, God, now send the rain and send it over the whole country, right? Like you'd almost have this, you could imagine like almost like a cockiness to it, right? Like this, this confidence that's a bit brash, that's a bit, you know, uh, presumptuous, say, but no, instead, Elijah climbs to the Mount of Carmel and gets down on his knees with his hands, his face in his hands. I mean, how many of you have prayed like that? Prayed prayers like that? Yes, it's a physical posture of humility, but more than that, it's a heart and spiritual posture of humility. It's a spiritual posture of humility before God who says, God, I can't bring the rain. I know I can't. That's way beyond my ability to do. I'm, I don't have that kind of power, but I know you do. And so, God, will you bring the rain? God, yes, you've proven yourself powerful. Yes, we've seen you amazingly sending fire from heaven, but now we want rain, not just on this altar. We want rain across the whole land. And he cries out, you know, like hands in his face, uh, uh, face in his head um, before the Lord. And, 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 and just... That humility of saying, God, I, this is way beyond me. You know, you can, you can just hear it like, God, I know <clears throat> I can't do this. I'm limited. I'm powerless in light of changing the weather. But God, you can do this. And that humble posture, I think, is huge. And it's the foundation stone, really, I think, for effective prayer. 
See, if I'm honest, I think actually a lot of us, if I, you know, if I, if I play back even on some of my own formation over the last couple of decades, there's been such, a, such an increase in talk of relating to Jesus, or relating to God, just, not just as our, our Heavenly Father, but Jesus as our friend. He's close. We hang out. We're good. And I think the danger in relating, you know, losing some of that awesome transcendentness of God is that actually we lose a sense of humility in our relationship to God. When we start thinking of Jesus as my mate, who's like my co-equal, you're not going to be praying from a humble posture, right? It's a huge thing that just that, just that we need to, and, and don't get me wrong, Yes, God, Jesus is close to us. Yes, the scriptures say, I no longer call you my followers or disciples. I now call you my friends. Yes, these things are true, but our posture towards him should always be, he's my savior. He's my Lord. He's done things that I don't have the power to do in and of myself. That's beyond my limits. And so humbly, we receive you as our friend, right? We recognize you are close and you are near. And I think that humble posture is, a, is an important one for us to recognize that we would humble ourselves before God, recognizing He is the one who's big. He is God. He is holy. He is the one who is the sustainer and the creator and the healer and the provider and that He's the one who does all of this. In fact, James, I told you we we're going to kind of flip-flop back and forth. James, in, when he's writing about prayer, in James chapter 4, he says, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. In verse 10, he says, humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. So, I think effective prayers start in a place, in a posture of humility where we humble ourselves before the Lord, trusting that he will lift us up and he will do the things uh, that, are, that are impossible. The second, the second quality I think we see in Elijah's life uh, of effective prayer is that effective prayers are not just humble prayers, but they're specific prayers. They're specific prayers. Now, this one, this one uh, kind of speaks to me and challenges me quite a bit because when I reflect on my own prayer life, I notice I'm pretty good at praying, you know, pretty general, broad strokes kind of prayers. You know what I mean? I'm pretty good at the Christian vagueness. Anyone? You know, we're pretty good at that, eh? You know, I get a little bit wishy-washy, like, oh God, will you just move? Will you just do something? You know, like we pray these prayers like, oh God, will you just uh, show yourself? Anytime we're using the word just in our prayers, I do, I, hey, I'm, I'm calling myself out because I do it all the time. God, will you just, right? I think actually we need to be a little bit more specific. Look at, look at Elijah. Elijah says, um, he doesn't pray these vague, wishy-washy kind of prayers. He, he's like, look, go and look toward the sea. In verse 43, he told his servant, go and look toward the sea. That's very clear, very specific, right? Go and look toward the sea. Don't look back this way. Don't look at me. Look toward the sea, you know? Uh, and, and he went up and looked and he says, there is nothing there, he said. I believe that actually... Something in our, I think there's, some, there's a connection maybe to faith, and we'll get to this you know, later on towards, in one of the other qualities of prayer that we see in Elijah. I think actually our vagueness in prayer is us kind of maybe, maybe kind of hedging our bets a little bit, right? 
It's like, oh, you know, if I got too specific, then, you know, uh, maybe God would, you know, it's like if we, if we, if we diversify our options and, and kind of pray these wider open prayers, then maybe when, when we sense something happening, we can go, oh, see, God answered that prayer. You know what I mean? Because it's this little slice that fits within this wide spectrum of things that we're praying for. But I think actually the most powerful expressions of God showing up and moving is when you pray a specific prayer and God answers in a specific way. Right? Amen? So, for example, this past week, on Monday night, we had our servant leader meeting. And at our, at our meeting previous to that, we were talking about a couple of different things where we were realizing, as a church, we need some direction and we need some focus, we need some clarity on, a, on, on two things in particular that we were talking around. One was around facilities and what do we do? You know, we've been running out of space here on a Sunday morning and it'd be great if we could find a space for Sunday worship where we could gather all together back in one. You know, this is, this is what we've been praying for and looking for and we we're seeking God and, and, and we just haven't found any options. And so we've been seeking God and saying, Lord, would you have something else in mind for us? Uh, and, so, and so after six or eight months of, of, of seeking and, and not finding any doors opening up for us, we were like, okay, let's put this before the Lord again. Let's rediscern it. Let's re just check in with God, and uh, and so and so we did, um, and 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 we spent probably the last forty five minutes of our meeting praying into two specific things, um, together with our servant leaders, and that was the first one. The second one was around how might we as a church be more present and engaged on mission in our local community? How might we actually be the hands and feet of Jesus, reaching out to bless, love, and serve those who live close by? And again, we were, let's lots of ideas, lots of discussion. No, let's, let's discern this. Let's bring it before the Lord. Let's ask. And God answered both our, our questions, both our prayers in that meeting. We heard from the Lord and it, was, and it was agreed upon together collectively. And so I'll tell you more about that at Heart and Soul tonight. You'll have to come along to hear about that. See what I did there? Yeah. James tells us in, in chapter four, he says, you do not have because you do not ask God. You do not have because you do not ask God. I mean, how simplistic is that, right? And we drive right past that verse so often and so easily. We think it's too simplistic. We, we, we forget about it. We get busy. You know, we, we don't have because we don't ask God. I mean, really? I wonder if we, you know, we have to become a group of people, you know, as individuals who will humble ourselves before God and then come to Him without shame, without any guilt, but with boldness and courage and praying a specific prayer that God would show up in a specific way and move on our behalf. I think the third quality that we see from Elijah, the third quality of effective prayer is that effective prayers are persistent prayers. Effective prayers are what? They're persistent prayers. Humble, specific, persistent. Verse 43 says, Go and look toward the sea, told his servant. And he went, he went up and looked and he says, There's nothing there. Look at this, he said, seven times. How many times? Seven times Elijah said, go back and try again. I mean, picture it, right? Like, you, you, here's Elijah, he's up there, he's on his knees praying to God. And he says, now go, go look towards the sea. So the servant goes over, looks out to the sea, comes back. Okay, Elijah, there's nothing there. And Elijah's like, okay, hold on, let's pray again. You know, praise more. Okay, now go check again. I mean, come on, the servant's going to get a little bit tired after a couple of goes, eh? You'd be like, really? Seven times? 
Seven times persisting in prayer. I mean, this is, this is crazy, right? He's like, God, we need the rain. He's humbled. You bring it back. And so he sends a servant back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. He does it seven times. Here's what we don't hear Elijah uh, saying, like, like, like maybe my 10-year-old self was saying when the cyclone season rolled around, was like, ah, this prayer thing doesn't work. He doesn't say that after two or three goes of like nothing changing and nothing shifting, you know? He doesn't say God's maybe asleep or he doesn't care or he's not listening or, or, no, no, no. He's laser focused. He's fixed in on a specific prayer and he's persisting in it, right? He prays and 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 he prays. Keeps praying again, right? Of this specific prayer. And here's what we've got to understand. This is what I love about Elijah is that Elijah doesn't allow the outward circumstances of what's going on to affect his inward assurance. He doesn't allow those outward circumstances. Even though it looks like nothing's happening or nothing's changing, he doesn't allow that to affect his inward assurance when it seems like maybe God's not moving. Maybe, maybe, maybe actually it's a, just a timing issue. It's not time yet. When it seems like God's not answering, when it, when it seems like he's not moving, Elijah doesn't get frustrated and give up and, and quit. No, we see that Elijah, he, he doesn't throw in the towel and he says, no, 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 I'm not going to allow the outward, outward circumstance to shape what I know is true, that inward assurance that he has in his heart. So what does he do? He prays and he prays and he prays and he prays. Even when it seems like God, you know, it doesn't seem like God's working. He prays and he prays. He's persistent. And James, in James chapter 5, tells us that the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Is powerful and effective. So, so many times when we're down in the dumps and we feel like God's not moving or he's not working. And I think we need to write this verse on our hearts. We need, we need to inscribe that on our souls. Let it just sink deep into us again and again. Remind us the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. We need to have it memorized so we, it quickly comes to our minds and in our hearts. Because when we're persistent in prayer, that's when we begin to see God work and be, see, see God move. So here's my question for you today, church. I wonder if there's some of you... Um, where, where this morning the question you need to wrestle is like, what is it in your life that you've actually quit praying for? The, this morning the invitation is to start praying again, to persist in prayer. Don't give up just because of the outside circumstances. Maybe it's your marriage and you haven't seen much movement and so you've quit praying. Maybe it's for a job and you've grown tired and you've grown weary. Maybe it's your finances. Maybe it's a broken relationship. Maybe it's for someone in your family who doesn't have a relationship with Jesus Christ and it's been years and you've kind of just given up. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Don't give up. Persist. Stay the course. Keep praying. Learn from Elijah that effective prayers are persistent prayers. So we've seen effective prayers are humble prayers. Effective prayers are specific prayers. Effective prayers are uh, persistent prayers. And finally, effective prayers are expectant prayers. Oh man, I got to. I, I love this one actually. This is the this is the encouragement coming. This is the this is the inspiration, right? This is this might blow your mind for a minute, right? So you've got Elijah on Mount Carmel. He's humbled himself. He's praying specific prayers. He's, he's persisting in seven times. He's not quitting. He's not giving up. And it says in verse forty-four, the seventh time, the servant reported a cloud as small as a man's hand is rising from the sea. So Elijah said, "Go and tell Ahab, hitch up your chariot and go down before the rain stops you." 
Okay, okay, okay. Do you catch what just happened there? Like, think about this. Think about this. Let's, let's replay it. Here's what the servant didn't say. Hey, Elijah, there's a cloud, like a monsoon cloud, so big, rising out of the sea. It's blocking out the sun, and the rain is coming. You know what I mean? He doesn't say that, right? No, no, no. He says, Elijah, there's this little cloud, like, kind of like a man's hand, rising from the sea, you know? Like... And Elijah's like, oh man, it's on, it's coming, get ready, you know, initiate the evacuation plan, the emergency evacuation plan, call the ambulances, the fire engines, get the monsoon team here, we're going to need life vests and boats and Ahab, get going, hitch up your ride, you need to go, man, you know, like, uh, you know, there's a cloud as small as a man's head, I mean, that's ridiculous, right? Think about just how crazy that is, the expectancy in that for God to show up and move, it's ridiculous, I mean, I don't know, if that would have been me, I would have been sitting there like, hang on a minute, that's cool, man's hand, that's progress, because that wasn't there before. Let's just uh, check the Met Service app, open up the rain radar. Oh, okay, yep, all right. Um, let's, let's just wait a little bit longer and see if it thickens and intensifies. You know, let's give it some time. Let's, I, I, I probably would have at least, let's be honest, I probably would have at least waited for the first few drops of rain before I started giving directives to get going and the rain's coming. You know, what I'm, you know what I'm saying? Anyone else? Anyone else? Man, that's expectant prayer, eh? That's crazy. He just had this absolute belief that he put all this stuff into play on the belief that God was going to move, God was going to do the miraculous. Truth be told, actually, there's been a few times in our lives when in expectancy we have taken those kinds of steps. I remember when we, you know, we, we were, uh, I was serving as a youth pastor at a church in Indianapolis and we'd been there for six years and for some time we'd been praying and discerning and asking, you know, what, what, what God might have for us. We wanted his leading for our life and, and, uh, and we had this sense from the Lord that it was time for us to go. And so, uh, you know, we're like, okay, we didn't know where, we didn't know what, we didn't know any details, but in faith we felt so convinced that we'd heard from the Lord, we'd discerned well, we met with the senior pastor, we met with the elders and I resigned from my job without really knowing where to go and by the way, you know, we'd been married about, what, six or so years, we had a one and a half year old daughter, Evie and, and, uh, and it was through that period, like a, a period of a couple of months still before we actually knew the direction and the plan and where God was taking us and where, but, but actually it required us getting going and believing, and stepping out in faith, and, and that, that was the expectancy, that's what, it, that's, what, that's what it required of us, and so we moved, we, fa- we prayed, and we, we moved in faith, because we knew that God was going to move, and He was going to show up, and He was going to lead us, and direct us along the way, I mean Mark says it in Mark's gospel, he says, therefore I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you've already received it, and it will be yours, what does it mean to believe that you've already received it? Faith is not like just something that we go, oh, yep, I believe, Lord. Mental check. No, 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 no. Remember, James tells us that faith without works is dead. Faith is an action word. It's a verb. It requires us responding and stepping out. And so you've got to put, put, put action in place. You've got to believe and trust and move and that, that God's going to work. But here's the thing, I don't think we can do it presumptively. I don't think we can do it, um, you know, like we're just, you know, totally, uh, 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 like, like I think, I think the, the, the first quality from Elijah, that, that humble prayer, 
is really important to, to call our minds back to at this point because I think that sometimes when, when we talk about being expectant in prayer, we almost come a little bit like, with a bit of pride in there, a little bit arrogantly, like almost demandingly towards God. And we think that's what it means to be expectant. That's what it means to have faith. We just like make these demands towards God. And I think, no, 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 no. That's not it at all. We need to be reminded it starts, that foundational first quality we see from Elijah is one of humble disposition before the Lord. So it's a humble expectancy. Does that make sense? Recognizing God is who, who He is. He will do what He will do. God is, God is in control. He's the one who is all powerful. And, he, you know, so, so I think that sometimes in our humble expectancy, God might actually want to refine and reshape the prayers that we're asking for, the specific things that we're asking for, God might actually go, actually, what if you just, just this slight tweak on that and here's what I'm actually into. We're not going to hear that if we're making demands, right? We're not going to hear that if we're presumptively showing up to God and saying this, but if we're humble before the Lord and bringing these things in prayer, then we might be more open and receptive to Him making those tweaks and adjustments. Does that make sense? I think, I think that humble expectancy towards the Lord and, and, and in prayer is huge. And so what happened uh, to Elijah after he called out all the troops and he moved in faith and, and, and doing these things, like, I think humbly, you know, he evacuated the town and everybody's gone. I mean, but, but, but here in verse five, 45, it tells us, he says, God shows up in power. Meanwhile, the sky grew black with clouds, the wind rose, a heavy rain came on and Ahab rode off to Jezreel. The power of the Lord came upon Elijah and this miraculous stuff starts to happen and that's where we're going to pick up next Sunday uh, the rest of the story with Elijah. Um, It's incredible. And let me tell you, friends, God answers prayer. He does. He does. Sometimes, Sometimes it's miraculous and supernatural and unexplainable. Sometimes it's quite ordinary. And mundane. Feels like just, oh, that was kind of circumstantial maybe. You go, well, you could think of it like that, except that you just prayed specifically for it. Right? God moves on behalf of His people all the time. And friends, I think, remember, Elijah was a person, human being, just like us. I think the difference between Elijah and us sometimes is that we lose faith that actually God can shift and move and do anything. Anything is possible. He can. And we, we come up against these obstacles or these barriers or these challenges and we just resign in defeat. Maybe God's saying, no, no, no. Humble yourself before me and pray. Make a specific ask persist in asking keep coming maybe it's just not time yet and expect have faith when you get the slightest little glimmer of a cloud rising from the sea take action move belief and and see what god might do and i just am convinced if we actually begin living this way you would see the hand of god breaking out all over the place in your life and in your family and in your neighborhood and with your friends and those that you want to see uh, experience life and life to the full in the name of Jesus. He hears prayers and he moves and responds. 
So can I pray for you and for us this morning as we come to respond in worship? Lord, we do thank you that your word is alive and active. But more than that, we thank you, Lord, that it's not just your word. It's you who are alive and active. And so, Holy Spirit, we welcome you now. Will you come and quicken quicken our minds and hearts to hear and receive all that you would have for us. Lord, I pray that you'd be speaking to each one. And and Lord, whatever it might be for us this morning, Lord, I sense that maybe for some this morning, as we're in this spirit of prayer, it's actually a, a recognition that, you know what? I have been coming a little bit presumptively, a little bit um, uh, directively towards God. I haven't been humbling myself. The call is to humble and to pray. Maybe the challenge is actually to get a bit more specific in your prayers. You've been kind of hedging your bets and praying these vague out general prayers and God's saying, no, no, no. Ask specifically and then watch me move in specific ways. Maybe, I sense that actually probably for some of us, some of us here this morning, it's, it's to persist, it's to pick, pick up that thing, that, that person or that situation, that, 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 that thing that you gave up on praying for some time ago. And this morning, the Holy Spirit's just saying, remember that? I'm not done there yet. Don't forget keep praying keep praying watch what I can do and for all of us I hope and pray that this morning our expectancy in faith might begin to rise to a whole new level Lord that we'd be encouraged and inspired by the life of Elijah and the ways that you moved in and through him to see the miraculous and the supernatural Lord we invite that we welcome that in our own hearts and lives Lord grace us anew and afresh give us more faith Lord, your word says that any of us lacks faith to ask for it. And so we do. We ask, Lord, would you give us, grow our faith, that we would humbly expect to see you move. And Lord, I pray that there would be testimony after testimony after testimony after testimony of your goodness, of your grace, of your specific answers in response to specific prayers that would give you glory They would give you glory in the church and in the world around, that it would actually draw people to come to know you because they go, something's happening amongst those crazy folks down at the well. It's like they pray and rain clouds appear out of nowhere where there's been no rain for three and a half years. And Lord, you show up and you move in mighty, powerful, supernatural ways. I pray that would just be true amongst us. So grow our faith. Mature us in prayer, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen, amen.